0: take a moment to invite you to check out my website caragoodwin.com. I have a lot of resources out there to support your meditation practice. You can sign up to receive a free guided meditation to bring more calmness and light into your life. There's also a 21 day learn to meditate self-study program. And this can help you cultivate your own meditation practice or take your existing practice even deeper. Or if you're inspiring others in your life to begin meditating, that could be a great resource for them. There are also recorded workshops that Michael Massey and I have collaborated on, which dive into advanced concepts on consciousness, and I'll soon be releasing more offerings to support your growth, including an upcoming retreat later in the year. So please check it out at Karagoodwin.com and thanks for your support and enjoy this episode hello and welcome to the meditation conversation i'm your host kara goodwin and today i am joined by d neil elliott so he has a beautiful story of transformation he is highly educated had a successful career an amazing family but he found himself in a very dark place and he found a process to revolutionize his perception and lift himself into a state of inner peace, joy, love and abundance. And that is what he wants to bring to others. So I'm really excited to get to listen to his journey and to hear about his his book and his uh, his concepts and steps of how we can all. Find ourselves in a more peaceful inner state. So, welcome, Neil. What a joy to have you.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Kara. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So, I talked a little bit about your journey, um, but I would love to hear kind of how you found yourself, where you are today, and all of these concepts that have come to you.
1: Yeah. So, you want a short story or a long story? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whatever you feel called to.
1: Um, well, let me give you let me give you context for everything, so it'll be a little longer than short. Okay. Uh, so, born in 1960, currently 61, and I live in Canada. A Professional engineer with an MBA, and and worked in uh, you know the the corporate world for over 30 years. Uh, three kids, five grandchildren, and um, so. With this, uh, you know, concept, so engineer, you can immediately think of methodical, process-oriented, mathematical, those kinds of things. And um, so my, my book explains all of this in detail. But uh, essentially, you know, I kind of, I grew up, my father passed away when I was five years old. I'm the youngest of six. And um, so my mom, you know, in 1965, five kids on her or six kids on her own and had to go out and get a job immediately to be able to support the family. And um, so anyway, uh, you know, I adopted certain patterns of consciousness, behavior, uh, thinking and feeling and uh, responses to life. And we can talk a little bit more about that later. But essentially... Uh, in the 90s, so I'd be in my 30s, I wanted to change how I thought I had, um, you know, kind and considerate with everybody and, and professional. But you know, I realized that I had, um, you know, not as positive of thinking as I'd like to have. And so I picked up books that we all know about Wayne Dyer, Napoleon Hill, Tony Robbins, Carolyn Mice, those kinds of things. And they all had great processes and stuff like that. And they all taught wonderful things but I couldn't shift the way I fundamentally thought. You know, we, we embed in our subconscious mind and program it really uh, with um, tools uh, that are of creation, tools of the ego. And um, we adopt those patterns. So when you try and change that stuff that's embedded in your subconscious mind, you're trying to do it consciously and you're using your willpower to do it. But in the end, your ego wins out. Cause it's, it's in there. It's just like concrete. It's hard to break up. Now I'm talking now from a new perspective, <laughs> not <laughs> what I thought about in the nineties. Right. So um, then I went into consulting in 2002 and it all became about work, you know, pleasing clients. If you don't please clients, if you don't deliver, you don't get work. So, you know, it all became about that. And I dropped all of the, you know, kind of uh, reading uh, spiritual reading in 2015, I realized that I I had kind of found myself in this really deep um, despondent uh, depression, and so I picked up some new books issued by similar authors, uh, Wayne Dyer being one of them, and you know all new evolution of uh, thinking and new concepts. But again, same process. Still trying to follow their processes, change how I thought. Couldn't make it happen. So I ended up deciding that you know asking questions like what's in life like why are we here because I'm I'm working hard uh you know I'm, I'm doing all the things that I think need to be doing I'm making a lot of money I'm spending a lot of money but I'm just totally miserable and no one knows about it we're all actors in our environment we all can put forward what we want others to see and so my family didn't know about it my wife didn't know about it um anyway so I ended up sitting down uh, at a kitchen table um after our household and um dis- uh, and craft crafted a suicide note. Oh wow. And so what had happened a week prior to that, and, and the way I describe this now is this information found me. I didn't really find it. But I came across some information that promised to liberate me from my thinking. And so I thought, okay, you know, being an engineer, um, I was planning this suicide you know, a few months out so I could make sure my wife was financially okay, get rid of all the crap that I accumulated over my life so she didn't have to deal with it and say goodbye to family and friends without them knowing what I was going to do. But I decided that, okay, well, if I do that, I can't, you know, that's it. I'm done. Um, So what I'll do is I'll put that to a side, put that date aside, and I'll study this material. If it works, fantastic. If it doesn't work, then, uh, then I can go ahead with that act. And um, I woke up a year later, almost a year to the day later, and just full of inner love and peace and joy. And I felt totally abundant. Nothing changed in my environment. It's just how I thought about it and how I felt. And I just had a new verve for life. And that was, would have been uh, a year after that. So it would have been uh, the late fall, December 2018. And since then, I've just, carried on with this journey and the deepening and the knowledge and the understanding and the connection that I have with the source of our being whether you want to call it God, Yahweh, Allah, the Tao, whatever you want to call it um, is just stronger and more uh, and more insightful and you know I'm just I'm learning and I'm just opening myself up and and new things are happening in my life. And I am and I am not by in any means perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I still have a lot of work to do. But what I wanted to do after that happened was, um, you know, a a year after I I had these two meditations where a year after I started the process, I had these two meditations that I went into and I just and I went into you shift in levels of consciousness to higher frequencies. And when I And I was in this really high state of um, frequency of consciousness of, of in this meditative state. And I went into these, this period of just being enveloped in unconditional love. I didn't care what happened to my body. I didn't care what anybody had done to me in the past. You know, nothing mattered. The only thing I was just, I would felt unconditionally loved. And no matter what I did, I wasn't judged for. And then I was just at this total peace. I didn't want to leave that state. I could have just stayed there forever. And I had two of those back to back, you know, a few days apart. And, um, and it's just been this just wonderful, amazing journey since then. And I wanted to, you know, share this with everybody I knew. And I thought, you know, I'd like to share this from the rooftops. And I thought I'd be looked at like a, like a nutcase. So... (laughs) (laughs) So it took me a couple of years to figure out the best way to do this is to write a book and share the reasons, uh, share the mechanisms of how we create every event and every circumstance that comes into our lives through our thinking and feeling. And then share um, the foundational uh, material that I read based in science that opened me up to a place where I could accept this new material that came to me. And um, and then the, the last part of my book is, is my personal experience as I've followed the seven steps that I offer for people to consider for themselves. So it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a concrete process. You will gain new information and new knowledge. And if you're open to it, you can totally transform your life.
0: That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that and for the honesty and the vulnerability um in, in your sharing. You know, it's and there's a big gap, I feel like, uh, that I'd love to dive into from sitting at the table and drafting that note and planning, you know, your your suicide to a year later, recognizing that you're at a totally different platform. You know, you're you're just living from a, a different level. So, and, and I know that this must be what the book is, you know, it's the steps of like, how did you start to embody it? But you left some really, really um, enticing breadcrumbs there as far as one, how this material came to you, because you said, it's not that you found it, it found you. It's more of how it manifested. And then um, two, just like the, the implementation of it and, and that sort of thing. And so whatever you feel called to share, but I would love to fill in some of those gaps there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, let, let me describe my book first, okay. and, then, and then we can get into some of these things. So my book has five parts. So it's called A Higher Road, Cleanse Your Consciousness to Transcend the Ego and Ascend Spiritually. And I offer people a seven-step process to inner peace, love, joy, abundance, and prosperity. And so the way I've structured my book is, um, the, the, the first part is really just an overview of what you're going to learn and uh, kind of set up for... Me sitting at this table crafting the suicide note. The second part of my book is uh, a memoir. And although I'm a very private person, I felt it was really important to be candid in that memoir so that people could understand how the patterns of thinking and feeling that I adopted um, created every experience and every event that came into my life and uh so i i outlined some specific things with events and then the the behaviors and stuff of and the thinking that i adopted and then the eventual manifestation of those events and um the third part of my book is based in science so it's a chapter on consciousness and it's the new way i look at consciousness from how i used to look at consciousness and um, and then I offer some scientific books that I read that in retrospect I now look back and go these had all come to me to lay this foundation to open me up to understand what I was about to receive and so I offer the exact same things to people to consider to read um, if they haven't read this kind of material before uh, I've constructed my book to try and get people to be as open as possible before I share this blueprint information. I call it blueprint information. Um, and the reason I do that is because the blueprint information is presented in such a way that I normally would have run from it. Mm. And I think a lot of people would run from it and they wouldn't even consider it.
0: And why Why would that be? It's too too dry or...
1: Um, there's going to be all kinds of reasons for it. One is okay. that it seems to have a really strong religious bent to oh, it. Oh, okay. And I can tell you, it's not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it it seems to. It appears to. And so you really need to approach this information um, within, with with uh, you know kind of a foundation. So through this science chapter, I build a foundation for a new understanding of consciousness and how our thinking and feeling affects our biology and how we are influenced by everything that happens around us. And we let our externalities drive our thinking and feeling based on things that we have adopted in the past and how society is being influenced right now collectively through the memes that are just prolific on the internet. Or through radio and TV and films and news. Anyway, um, so this on science. Then I introduce people to the, that chapter ends with an introduction that will stretch your understanding of consciousness to an even greater extent. And I do that through sharing a near death experience of um, of another author. And I and uh, I recommend people read that author. And um, the fourth part of my book is I really share this blueprint information, which I've gathered all of this information together, I call it a blueprint document. And um, I offer it for people that read a higher road, once they've read a higher road, if they want to go back and do the seven steps. So uh, my recommended way to read a higher road is you pick it up, read it cover to cover. And don't forget to read all the introductory note to reader and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Read it cover to cover. And then understand the process in its entirety, and then make a decision for yourself whether this information makes sense to you or not. And if it does, then go back and start with some of the science material, start directly with step one, you know, your choice. But um, at least then you have the context and you have the understanding of where I was and where I got to. The final part of my book is, as I mentioned earlier, uh, my personal experience as I went through the seven steps. If you decide, if this doesn't land with you, if you're, you know, for whatever reason, then I ask if you've picked up a hard hard copy cover of the book, paperback or hard copy, please just pass it on to somebody else without any colorful commentary and let them discover for themselves whether it works for them or not. Because we can never accurately judge the inner reality of another person someone who's very affable and kind and considerate can be a, a, you know, entirely misery internally
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and we're all good actors in that way. So, um, so I just recommend that you pass it on to somebody else. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no.
0: Well, I was going to, that's very Canadian of you. Thank you. (laughs) After you, no, after you. Um, We can be like that in the Midwest here too. Um, But anyway, so what I love so much about this, there are many things that you said that I love. One of those being that we're all on our own journeys and there are different things that are going to resonate with different people. But what I love too with your story is just your whole um, background and your meth your methodology. You know, you're you have an engineering background. You have a very scientific approach. You're very practical, very grounded, and that is going to speak to a certain type of person where inherently there's already going to be a level of trust because it's so grounded and it's not just like. Okay, well, I feel like, you know, the the, you know, my guides are telling me this and and I love that stuff too. Like I totally love when people can tune into their guides and they're being directed that way. But there's a whole other group of people who that will not work with. <laughs> you know, it puts a wall up. And when we have people such as yourself who come from such a scientific like um, material world, like worked for corporate life and, and, you know, really has a rootedness in science, um, that can really help bridge, uh, with, with certain people. And, and I am one of those people. Like I also come from a corporate background. I I was in, in the IT field for many, many years. Um, and so, I I have that background and that foundation also. And so th- those are the types of things, especially in the beginning of my kind of awakening to understanding consciousness, understanding energy. Um, those were the types of things that really resonated with me because it was like taking the material world and what I could understand with my five senses and then just kind of helping me to experience more and more and kind of open up more and more so it's really a a really beneficial approach for uh for so many people so I really appreciate that
1: Uh, so Kara I'm like this is the this is what happened to me is that um you know this bridge between spirituality and science I personally needed something that you know initially could be observed measured and calculated and, um, so let's talk about a little bit about consciousness and my new concept of consciousness. And, and this is how this science chapter kind of opens. I, or not really, but, um, you know, this is some of the stuff in it is, um, you know, I used to think that what I thought about was all in my brain. And, uh, you know, the thoughts I had and stuff were things that I had either learned or been exposed to from childhood to adulthood. Uh, and then reinforced through, you know, things that uh, I was exposed to, and of course I was right and others were wrong. <laughs> I, I Obviously, was, this was good. That was bad. <laughs> you know, that kind Me of stuff. Me too. I'm always right too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, my concept of consciousness now is like consciousness is not only in our brain; it's in our body, and it's all around us. And I see thoughts not only generated in the mind or through the programming of the subconsciousness but I see thoughts more like a stream that go by my awareness and I'll pick a thought out of that stream and if it's something that I like I will keep it and what I I mean by like is something that's consistent with the way I think so it might be a denigrating thought or it could be a loving thought so uh, I pick that out I take it I go oh I like that one I'll keep it and I'll mull on it and dwell on it and I'll and I'll reinforce what I already am thinking. If it's a thought I don't like, I just throw it back in the stream and away it goes. Now, the, the, my concept of consciousness is even beyond that now. But um, the first thing I had to actually understand, and there's an author that I share with people that helped me do this, was that everything that we think is right or wrong, good or bad, true or false, is just a belief end of story it's just a belief but in order to change those beliefs you need to actually be able to change things that you have programmed in your subconscious so then you need a process to do that so I needed a process that was going to change how I thought and in order to do that you need to be able to do certain things and that's what this book is about that's what I lay out for people but the next thing that I read that I share with people again in A Higher Road is a book that it described and it's all based in science and um, grounded with uh, research is that your what you think about affects the expression of a cell. So um, you can either uh, create uh have healthy thoughts that promote the well-being of a cell, or if they are not healthy thoughts, they can cause illness in the cell. Nowadays, i talk about that that's what you're manifesting. Uh, and then, uh, then I read some books and I, and I share a couple on neuroplasticity. So it used to be that science believed that the brain was, you know, after you've grown, it was at a fixed uh, size and then it atrophied over time. In the 1960s, they discovered that the brain, actually, you can rewire your neural pathways how you think, and you can build new brain cells. So I didn't know you could build new brain cells. I was still under the impression, you know, it atrophied over time. Uh, then uh, I, read, or I read this author that had this near-death experience. So what's happening is I'm building this foundation of everything is just a belief. Oh, what we think about affects our biology. And we can rewire how we think. Then I read a, a book from a, about a near death experience about a woman who uh, had suffered from an aggressive form of cancer over a four year period. Um, she uh, got down to the point where she is somewhere between 75 and 90 pounds. She couldn't lift her own head. She's on oxygen 24 hours a day and under constant care. She fell into a coma. Um, They rushed her to the hospital and the admitting physicians told her husband and family she wouldn't make it through the night. 24 hours later, she woke up and she declared she was going to be totally fine. And within two weeks, they couldn't find a trace of cancer in her body. All of that, again, medically documented. Now, they can't explain it, but it's all medically documented. And the important part of her book you know, her whole story is good, but the important part of her book is what she described in that 24-hour period. Some of the things that she described were uh, messages she brought back, so to speak, was that, um, you know, we come from love, we return to love. Uh, We're not judged after death, no matter what we do. Um, And that she felt like she was becoming, she said, um, we're unified after we die, we're all one. And uh, another message was that um, she felt like she was becoming every time she got tied to what was happening in this uh, material plane, she felt herself expanding and becoming a part of everything. And um, she met uh, her father who passed away 10 years earlier and communicated with him. And um, she said that communication was entirely different. It's like she became him. And so what he thought, she thought. And she could understand them through that mechanism of communication. I could not understand it. But it was believable. And um, so I read that book. Then this blueprint document showed up. Then I crafted the suicide note. Because her book, my interpretation for me at the time was her book gave me the green light to commit suicide because I wouldn't be judged after death. I had this nagging Christian doubt, even though I'm agnostic, I had this nagging Christian doubt at the time that if I do something bad or commit suicide, that's it, you know, I'm going to hell. So her light gave me that, her, her book gave me that green light to do that. But what really was happening where all of this books was laying this foundation for me to understand this new information, be open to and curious about without prejudgment this information I was going to receive and when you read this information you need to come to this blueprint material exactly as I've described Um, curious open non-judgmental and as you go through it you have to not doubt doubt creates consciousness barriers that will prevent your learning and will eradicate learning that you've already received so you have to keep that in abeyance as you go through this material. So if you come across something that you're kind of like, nah, just, you know, use it positive affirmations. Don't think about it. The point thing is don't dwell on it. Mm-hmm. Dwell on the things that, that ring true for you that you can understand. Yeah. And um, so th- this material bridges this, does this final bridge between spirituality and science. For example, you know, what do we know in science today that we didn't know 100 years ago, 200 years ago? Uh, So I'll give you an example of things. Um, Let's talk about cells. So, you know, we first we know that, back up a bit, first we know that there's nothing solid under the sun. Everything is just energy. At a subatomic level, we now know uh, through materialistic science that everything is just energy. So electrical particles ran, you know, science believes Big Bang, out of that came electromagnetism. Out of that came everything that we see in the universe. Electrical uh, electrical particles randomly got together, fused and formed elements. Those elements randomly got together and formed the first living molecule. Those living molecules randomly got together and formed the first cell. And then here we have creation after billions of years, what we see that's alive. And in science, we know that, um, you know, the cell fertilizes the ovum you have one cell that divides into two that divides into four etc and you get this intricate building of construction of the body over a nine-month period we also know in science that every cell in the body has the library of information for the entire body in addition we know that when cells are building a liver they work harmoniously together to build and then maintain that liver and everything else in the body. And so the question becomes, well, when did consciousness first creep into living material? Is there living, is there consciousness in a cell or is it just in the brain? As materialistic science thinks it's by? We think with electrical impulses in our brain and we feel with magnetic impulses in our nervous system when you look at a cell let's look at one cell and it has a permeable membrane on it and through that permeable membrane the cell just discerns that this is nutrition that's going to be good for me and it absorbs it into the membrane it discerns that uh, now I have a buildup of toxic waste and I need to get rid of that toxic waste otherwise you know it will affect my health this is the first act of consciousness that we could in science, go, yeah, that's that's consciousness. It's like living it's
0: intelligence. Yeah.
1: Yes. It's mm-hmm. purposeful, right? So then you say, and you know, these cells in our body work together harmoniously. So they never intrude on each other's work. When they're building a the liver, they don't suddenly spring into making an ear. And you know, they maintain, may maintain all of that. So there's this whole harmony in our bodies with ourselves that we have, we don't display at all as humans when we're jointly working on a project. Right. Yet, that's all, with, <laughs> yet yeah. that's all within us, mm-hmm. right? And so when you look at, then you look at one cell and you go, okay, well, yeah, I think, you know, as a, as a scientist, you go, yeah, there's consciousness in a cell. So then the question becomes, well, if there's consciousness in, a, consciousness in a cell, why not in the living molecules that first got together to form the cell? It's a logical step. And if in the living molecules, why not in the elements that got together to form a living cell? And if in the elements, why not in the electrical particles that fuse together to form elements? You know, you can't escape this kind of logical process without at least saying, yeah, there could be consciousness in all of that. We, in effect, you know, we believe that, and science believes, and most people believe that we are, live, we are matter imbued with consciousness. And in reality, we are consciousness made visible through the descent of vibrational frequency of electrical particles. And so then, yes, then the question becomes, well, you know, science talks about, for instance, there was a big bang, they don't know of what, and they don't know why. And they don't know, all they really know is afterwards, we have the universe, and we have all the development of stars, and we have, you know, living things. And this material will describe exactly what was before the Big Bang, the impetus for the Big Bang, what came out of the Big Bang, and um, why electromagnetism is in existence, and the And the fact that we use the tools of creativity, electromagnetism, and how we use them and why we use them for our soul to learn the lessons it needs to learn as it carries on its lifetime. Lifetime in this lifetime. So our souls, um, you know, over many incarnations, they come here to learn lessons in this school we called Earth and um, the process that i went through uh, so requires meditation and you will learn a meditation that enables you to go through this process and through the steps required to um, enable you to connect with the divine so i picked up the meditation in the 90s and i and i did it and i you know tried the under different types of meditations but i never from my perspective Understood the true purpose of meditation. And I can tell you today that the true purpose of meditation, my understanding, my belief, it is for you to be able to connect with the source of our being. And when you go through a process to connect with the source of your being, you will feel the inflow of, of spiritual energy um, not only into your head, but through your entire body. And you will uh, start this whole process of if you understand what steps to take and how to go about it, you will start this process of cleansing your consciousness and then rebuilding it. And this is the process required in order to totally transform your life. And when you do, I tell you, you will never look back. Yeah, you just your life entirely changes.
0: Absolutely, here, here. A couple of things that you mentioned really struck me. One being the the non locality of consciousness. You know, you you started that by talking about how we're used to um, understanding that our thoughts are coming from our brain, and that we actually are storing our thoughts and our memories and our feelings also in the body, and um, and it's non local. And this is it's just funny that you mention this because this is the third time in 2022 on this podcast that this has come up in different forms. So you have a much more scientific bent. We I talked about it um, in an episode with somebody named Demetria and then again with somebody named Teresa. Um, so if listeners are interested in that particular topic, you may want to check those out too because they're different slants and different kind of points of the same concept. And I love when I keep getting this reinforcement from different directions in my own life that re reaffirm this point. So I I love, and I want to highlight that that has come up three times in this forum um, in case other people are, are intrigued by that. But, and, and I shared with Demetria too, um, like my own version of experiencing that in in a sort of mystical experience uh, where I was actually recognizing that I was holding different memories and different um, even people and relationships in certain parts of my body, and I could see what it was stored next to and really fascinating kind of things. Um, and it brings to mind this concept also that um, – that you can almost shift, where you can shift how you see the brain, or even your whole being, as a filter. And this is what you were saying. But the and I'm so I'm just tweaking the words a little bit with how um, how it was so powerful for me a few years ago. To I think I read it in a book, uh, and it was written by a doctor or something. Um, so again, it had like the spiritual or the scientific um, slant to it, but it was like the research that they had done was suggesting that the brain was more of a, of a filter rather than creating. It's this way that we're interpreting consciousness, you know, and how we're like filtering consciousness and, and intelligence through the brain and through our being rather than, and we're we're filtering thought and everything through our being rather than, um, than it being created in there. And, uh, and so the, what you were saying kind of reinforced that as well, which is really beautiful. Um, Uh, and
1: so, oh, go ahead. Yeah,
0: no, please, please.
1: And so let me, um, describe something a little bit more so that you can, um, you know, have a different perspective of, of perhaps this as well. So <clears throat> when, so the brain develops at about age five, where it starts to make conscious, can make um, discernment and conscious choices. Uh, when we come in as babies, if we've been fortunate enough to be born into a family of means that love us, you know, can care for us and feed us, we're this little um, embodiment of joy. And What we are, are we're sponges. We, uh, you know, we learn from our parents, we um, feel their feelings, and this starts to shape, um, you know, kind of our childhood and reinforces or adds to what we've come into uh, from a past life that we need to learn through this um, process of evolution of the soul. and. Um, When we get to five, we start to make our own conscious choices and stuff. We're still being influenced by everything we're educated and learn and all our family and friends. And as we grow from babyhood to adulthood, we think we're becoming versed in the ways of the world. But what we're really doing is we're binding down our soul in our ego and shutting our connection off, our soul's connection to the divine the behaviors and patterns that we develop in terms of our thinking, um, the ego is a tool of creativity in order to attract to us experiences in our lives so that we learn the lessons that it needs to learn. And it does that through how we think and what we feel. So when we think, Um, It's an electrical impulse in the brain that is a consciousness plan, whether it's something that we like or we don't like. It's a consciousness plan um, that we create a blueprint out of. And then what we do is we magnetize that plan. The more we think about it, dwell on it, feel on it, whether it's a positive emotion or a negative emotion, it doesn't matter. The universe is um, indiscriminate. <laughs> when it comes to magnetic when it comes to uh, magnetic pull. and so what we do is when that plan has over a period of time, be it a day, a week, a month, a year, five years, twenty years in the future, fifty years in the future, you will start to attract like experiences into your life. And your ego only has two ways to operate in the world, and it's through this ephemeral Um, electromagnetic bonding rejection process it bonds with everything it likes I like chocolate cake I like that person I like that car I like that event and it rejects things that it doesn't like I don't like that person don't like that food don't want to go to that concert those kinds of things those are the only mechanisms that the ego has to create the experiences in our life so we decide we want a new car. Oh, I want a new car and I really want that car. So we go out, we earn money, we get a new car, and we're really happy because, you know, we just got the car that we wanted. And so we're really joyful. And um, then what happens is that possession becomes dull and boring and mundane and it starts to this whole euphoria starts to wear off. And so then what we do is we go out and we show this car off to our friends. Oh, see the new car I got and everything. And that gives us a little boost, a little ego boost there. We feel good about it, but over time that just wears off. And so then what we do is we set another goal. And our soul is always trying to return to the unconditional love from which it came. And, but the only way the ego has to do this is through the, the, um, uh, through this electromagnetic process of bonding rejection. And so life becomes this endless chase for goals to try and create this happiness in our life. But depending on what we're doing and depending on what we're creating, and if they are selfish, egotistical um, activities that we think about all the time and that we want, they will create that same kind of uh, events and experiences in your life. So, in a higher road, I um, unknowingly, unwittingly, and ignorantly, because I didn't know this is what it was doing. So, in 2011, I think it was. Um, I describe exactly what I did every day for a year that eventually manifested a brand new $60,000 hardtop Lexus convertible. I thought, oh, I was just lucky, you know, like this came into my life. I, you know, And um, later in the book, after people understand some of these mechanics and mechanisms, I describe exactly what happens and why that Lexus came into my life. And again, it was something for me to, I can now look back and go, that was something for me that I needed to experience at the time so that I could actually put that example in this book to describe to people. And this is exactly what we do that creates every event and every experience in our life. When you, so when I started this process, um, after about seven months of doing this process, I started to feel this little tingling at the top of my head. It was about the size of a dime and I didn't know what it was that kept growing. And, um, eventually I realized that, Oh, what I'm doing is I'm impressing new brain cells with new knowledge at the top of my head. And that is operating at a higher frequency, which enables me to connect with the divine today, that opening, you could stick a bowl over my head that goes down halfway over my ears. And that opening is the top entire of my head. Mm-hmm
0: that sometimes feel like the air conditioning's going right through it. (laughs) I call it air conditioner crown sometimes. (laughs) It's like it feels very cool in there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I describe some of these things in the book Mm -hmm. um, when I'm going through in that final chapter. But what that enables me to do is, is I experience, you know, um, constant and mutual reciprocation and communication between myself and the source of our being or other um, other uh, souls that uh, are here to help me. And life is not a journey without, life is really a journey within. And until we wake up to the fact of what we're doing to ourselves through these mechanisms, we will continue to do it to ourselves. And, um, you know, I look at my life now and I'm all the things I did, which, you know, I considered people did as, uh, you know, horrible to me or, you know, been treated badly. I no longer look at it that way. These are all things that are expressions of the ego. When I look at a person today, I see a soul that's in them that's equal to mine, that is unconditional love. And that anything that they may be doing, which I might consider to be reprehensible, which um, you know, I no longer judge. I just recognize that's what's going on. It is really just the expression of their ego and it's their journey to the light.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. And, and I, I want to reiterate to another point that you had early on when you were talking about ways that you suggest that people take the material um, in your book and you talked about the doubt and the, that goes so parallel with non-judgment, you know, withholding doubt. And you mentioned about how it kind of shuts us down and it it like uh, retracts our uh, the knowledge that we already have had in the past, but it also retracts our energy. It contracts our energy. Um, and it's such an important point, even within uh, a meditation practice, you know, where it's like, You actually can experience and feel these visceral things that you're because you're picking up these like subtle sensations, but how quickly can we shut those down and be like, oh, it's just my mind, or oh, I just I want it to be like that, so I don't, so I you know, so that's why I felt that way because I I, you know, made it up or whatever, and it's this like continuous unfoldment and this stepping out to say. You know, to say yes, and just to um, still have discernment, but to give ourselves the chance to really step in to a higher, a higher road, a higher level of learning, a deeper awareness, greater wisdom. Because the more that we give in to doubt of the unfamiliar, the more it, the longer it takes, and the more we the more we just close ourselves up. So um, I love that, and it goes so beautifully with the neutrality that you're talking about where it's like, you know, that judgment of, of continuing to, like, try to label, you know, this is good, this is bad, and it's just more of an openness of what is, and in that neutrality, that's where we can find that, that balance and that openness, and literally that what you talk about with the crown and that feeling like you have to be in a centered state. Um and if you're, you know, in, in judgment and disbelief and, and all of that is gonna block that type of thing from happening. So it's just a beautiful weaving of the of the, of the whole conversation of um some really deep truths that um through, through my experience and my understanding as well.
1: Um, Absolutely. And, and um, you know, this uh, self-analysis and self-criticism and, um, like you said, trying to put a label on things or self-rationalization of why you felt what you felt, mm-hmm. you have to keep that in advance. Yeah. And know that it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. But as that energy, like it it initially started flowing into my head, and then it, then eventually it would flow down one side of my body and up the other. And then it might be in my solar plexus or it might be in my chest. Now it, um, you know, typically is in my head and in my chest and and my solar plexus simultaneously, but I can still move it. And I'm at a point now where um, I can direct where I want healing energy uh, in my body and um, you know you will you know right I have you will (laughs) learn so much (laughs) when you open yourself up and when you do this but you need to be able to when you meditate you need to be able to get in this place of silence and stillness So universal consciousness split into divine consciousness, universal consciousness is in stillness and silence and equilibrium of, of these opposing twin impulses. You know, as you, when you can actually grasp all the concepts here, which are described as you, if you go through the seven steps, you will understand these concepts in a new way. And what you initially learn, you know, in your first, month, two months year of looking at this material and understanding this material, I know from my experience that what I read four years ago and thought I understood, I have a much different understanding of it today.
0: Yeah. Isn't that something? And, it's amazing.
1: It's 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 not that it has changed, but I have evolved in my understanding. And when you actually feel this inflow of energy and you feel the um power the life force energy and the power that comes into you and you get these moments of insight and inspiration you will know that what you know is true and when that happens your your faith is unshakable doesn't matter what anybody says to me well because
0: it's not it starts to be more than belief it's experience it's it's a truth that yeah, I mean you talk about near death experiences. That's one of my favorite things about those is that you can have uh you know, you have people who have been entrenched in dogma of religion and then have a near death experience and they that completely washes away and they know this new truth and it's unshakable. And it doesn't mm-hmm. line up with the the doctrine that they have accepted their whole life, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Because it's experience. It's like you can't you can't take that away from me. You can't shake me of that. I know what I I know what I know and I know the truth of it and it doesn't matter what somebody else tells me. Um and it's just and and we don't need necessarily a near death experience to be able to get to a level of inner knowing as well. So I so appreciate what you're doing in um, really giving this grounded and practical, um, these methods to help people to open themselves up more and more to that, that which is within them. It's so important and it's it's a beautiful, beautiful blessing. So thank you so much. Um, how can people find out more about you, Neil, and where they can get your book?
1: Yeah, uh, so the book, again, is A Higher Road, Cleanse Your Consciousness to Transcend the Ego and Ascend Spiritually, A Seven-Step Process to Inner Peace, Joy, Love, Abundance, and Prosperity. My website, uh, or my, the author name is D. Neil Elliott. Uh, the D is just the first initial to differentiate me as an author and on the internet. The website is dneilelliot.com. So it's d-n-e-i-l-e-l-l-i-o-t-t.com. The book's available on Amazon in hardcover, trade paperback, or um, e-book. It's available in all your favorite ebook forms, Kindle app, Knuckle, Nook, Kobo. And it's also available in bookstores globally.
0: Wonderful. Well, what a blessing to have you here. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Kara. It's been a pleasure having a conversation with you.
0: Thank you. Please share this episode. I appreciate your support, rating, reviewing, and sharing. So thank you again for listening, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.